Today, we all recognize that in order to create systemic change, business has to be part of the social impact equation. But how do you ensure that companies who are incorporating social change into their work are doing so authentically and as impactfully as possible? This is the major question behind CSR, or Corporate Social Responsibility, one of the fastest growing social impact fields. Because CSR is so popular right now, many people are seeking to understand how to get into CSR work. Our amazing guest today has built an incredible career in major corporations driving real change and shares advice on how to navigate and leverage the resources of business to make a significant impact in the world. Welcome to the Be Social Change podcast, your go-to resource for weekly personal professional development to help you build a successful social impact career. I'm Marco Salazar. And I'm Jen Lashansky, and we're the team behind Be Social Change. Over the past decade, we've helped tens of thousands of professionals and entrepreneurs grow their social impact careers, and we're excited to help you do the same. In the podcast, you'll learn new skills and strategies from inspiring social impact leaders who have built careers at socially conscious companies, innovative nonprofits, and within government. We're so happy you found this podcast and look forward to helping you build a meaningful, fulfilling, and successful social impact career. Let's get into it. I first met Monique at a Be Social Change panel, and at the time, she was doing amazing work as the Director of Sustainability and Corporate Social Responsibility at Comcast NBC Universal. What stood out to me then was how deeply she led with her values, as well as her dedication to racial equity, not only at her job, but in so many incredible endeavors she's been a part of. Outside of her day jobs, she's also been the founding director of the Leadership Council for worldofmoney.org, a founding officer of the New York Urban League Young Professionals, a former youth advisor and officer of the Mid-Manhattan branch of the NAACP, as well as she has served on the board of directors for the Symphony Orchestra of Northwest Arkansas and Earthshare, a national environmental nonprofit. What I learned in hearing about her impactful career journey is the importance of authenticity, creativity, networking, and a firm set of values in driving the change you want to see in the world. In this interview, we dive into the most impactful ways of practicing corporate social responsibility, how to build on your life experiences at each step of your career journey, the importance of and ways to maintain and grow a network throughout your career, and the power of elevating racial and global equity in all work. This is an awesome interview, Marcos. Let's dive in. Hi, Monique. Welcome to this podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. We met back in January 2019, which feels like ages ago at this point. Yeah. And you were a guest on one of our CSR spotlights live in New York City. It was a packed room. Everyone was really excited. We had a great panel. And I remember standing in the back and thinking, oh my God, she really knows what she's doing in the CSR space. She's speaking wisdom. She's speaking truth. I was trying not to like applaud and cheer after everything you said, but it was hard to resist. I'm always struck by the work that you're doing, as well as the insights you share about your own social impact career. So we're really excited to dive into a conversation with you today. Thank you so much. Yes, I definitely remember that. It was standing room only. And I was just so inspired by everyone who wanted to potentially get their foot in the door and how much information was shared and exchanged that night. We can't thank you enough for speaking then and then sharing again today your wisdom. I want to jump in by learning a little bit more about your work as the director for the Center for Racial Equity for Walmart.org. Sure. I've always had this interesting path and I've definitely have landed someplace where I'm really 
enjoying my work and my team and my company. So I joined Walmart in January of 2020, which seems like a blur the entire year, but I was actually in a different role, but still under the umbrella of philanthropy. So walmart.org consists of our foundation. So the Walmart Foundation, which some folks commonly would just refer to what we do at the Walmart Foundation, but we also have corporate philanthropy. And so we have this umbrella that we branded as walmart.org. Originally, I was the head of our associate engagement and customer engagement lead. And that was really about mobilizing, empowering our workforce as far as our associates to do more good in terms of their own causes that they care about. So how do they continue to volunteer and how do they give in ways that are meaningful? We had matching campaigns. We also did matching campaigns for our customers, which was unheard of. And so I really enjoyed that work. And then in June of 2020, the unfortunate murder of George Floyd occurred. And we really put a line in the sand and our leadership boldly stood up and said, this is not where this country needs to be. And we want to accelerate the pace of change for Black Americans specifically. And we can do that with our resources and our influence. So how can we do that both internally within our own business and policies and practices? And how can we do that with partners externally through our philanthropic work? So I transitioned to this new team within the same Walmart.org umbrella called the Center for Racial Equity, which is a $100 million commitment over five years and four specific pillars. So that's criminal justice, education, health, and finance. And that's looking at how we can make systems change within each of those four areas. And I oversee our financial inclusion portfolio. So that's thinking about how can we help improve circumstances economically for communities around the country? And how can we help to reduce the racial wealth gap with our assets and again, our influence and expertise? So I primarily focus on business equity. So entrepreneurship specifically, and how do we ensure that Black-owned businesses, specifically those adjacent to retail, have the ability to grow and scale. And so I work with a number of entrepreneurial support organizations across the country who are working with existing entrepreneurs who have incredible products and services and who just need the right opportunity to ensure that they're able to compete with their peers on a bigger scale. Thank you so much for providing that overview of all the impact that Walmart is making. I'm sure that some people don't necessarily, when they think of Walmart, think of the impact that they may be making. But I think what you pointed out is the size and the opportunity of influence that Walmart can have can really move the needle on some of the really big challenges that you ended up describing. So as you transitioned into this role, did you feel like a lot of the skills that you had in your previous role or previous jobs really transitioned over? Do you feel like you had to learn new skills as you're helping these entrepreneurs? My background, funny enough, I've had a little bit of a blend of all the things. So I've been an entrepreneur myself, so that's always helpful. <laughs> and I also spent many years at a financial magazine, specifically targeting the Black career-oriented or entrepreneurs. So I had a lot of both knowledge and one-to-one personal experience with entrepreneurs as I was helping build events and customizing opportunities for them through this platform called Black Enterprise and in my own consulting work when I was working with them individually and helping them expand and grow and plan their business plans and projects. So a lot of that was transferable. I would say on the 
CSR side, social impact side, and even my marketing background, I think it's helpful to know what the current bar is. So in terms of the narrative and how do you set a goal to, to change systems and mental models? And that is literally about the power of promotion, persuasion. So those things were always intuitive and skills that I can use to help tell the story of these entrepreneurs and to help extract those really meaningful insights when it comes to, there's so much research and so much data. So what is what does it really add up to? What is it really saying? A little bit more probably analytical skills than maybe some of the other programmatic efforts, but at the same time, it's still very much so steeped in strategy, alignment, communication, relationship building, partnerships. So a lot of that were the transferable skills that I continue to get to use. Monique, it's interesting. You're talking about leverage in two different contexts here, which are really powerful, right? Like leveraging your own experience and skills and transferable skills, as well as leveraging the influence and power of an organization. And I think it's really powerful to think about, we often think about using the levers of power externally, but what you're describing is also bringing a fully integrated career into each new endeavor that you take on. I would say so as well. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about some of the levers or ways in which you leverage walmart.org's platform in order to create that financial inclusion and bring especially Black social entrepreneurs to the fore. Yeah, so I think there's a distinction, especially for your listeners to, to know that CSR is not necessarily always the same as philanthropy. And so I do a lot of pure philanthropy in this work. So it's a lot of grant making. And then we have a shared value model. And so we complement the business. And so it has to make sense for the way that Walmart operates in terms of wanting to ensure that the community around our stores are operating, the community around our stores are thriving And our customers, our tagline is save money, look better. So this is the ethos and embedded in like the mission that Sam Walton originated when he created the company. And that is very helpful when I'm looking at how do I ensure that people are getting introduced to things that can literally help improve their lives. And so it's not necessarily just about this pure, what do I want to call it? I don't want to call it a pitch or a play, but it really is about how do I inform people and bring them along and work with people who have the expertise to really ensure that they are getting the best, the best services, the best in the ESO space, entrepreneurial support organization space. What occurs is called technical assistance. So if you think about operating a business, you think about What are all the fundamentals that you need to ensure that you are sustainable? So you need the right business plan. You need the right projections. You need to know what your pricing model is. You need to know the competition. You need to know your consumer and marketplace. You also need to have your financial affairs in order, your legal affairs in order. And so some of our actual associates are knowledgeable in these types of things, so they can potentially be speakers or mentors and coaches, things of that nature. I know I'm leveraged a lot with our nonprofit partners to speak to some of our program participants. But at the same time, the connection that they have between one another and just getting introduced to be able to potentially build and collaborate, there's also a lot of power in that. And so 
we try to make room and give room to the experts who are the folks who are most proximate to these communities, and that is our nonprofit partners. And so I am really incredibly inspired by all the work that they're doing on the ground day to day. And it is literally their life's work. And they are extremely passionate and extremely thoughtful in the way that they approach and do these things. And so we just want to empower them to do that even more. And I do that through investments we make in their programs and in the capacity that they have to operate. You brought up two potential career paths that I think many people are super excited about, which is the CSR side, but then that philanthropy side as well. I know there are two different jobs with two different distinct skill sets, but are there more skills or experiences that you feel people need if they're looking to go down either of those paths? So I think what may be interesting and not always talked about on the philanthropy side is that, and especially for folks who are in the nonprofit world, there are lots of rules, especially when it comes to IRS and tax implications and public support. And so I feel like people should be very familiar with governance when it comes to philanthropy that they might not have engaged with on the CSR side. So that is one where people may want to sharpen their skill set and having a better understanding of what goes into running a foundation board, what goes into disclosures and what goes into reporting and metrics and KPIs and impact reports and claims. And if you say you did something, where's the substantiation? Because people are going to want to know, (laughs) especially when it comes to environmental impact and reducing certain things, whether that be emissions or plastics or what have you. So there are, there's a lot of, I don't want to call it red tape, but just you need to know how to navigate. And then in CSR, I would say there's a lot of creativity that takes place there in terms of just the program design and the implementation execution, how you get people engaged and motivated to really make change. And so that's no easy lift at all to get people to make time and to make the business case and to continue to get the investment from a budget standpoint from your organization. So I think there's definitely a lot of carryover, but there are definitely distinct skill sets you need for both. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you even shared and you're making me think about the difference also between even philanthropy and even impact investing, although philanthropy can be a vehicle or create similar type of impact. But that governance piece is huge. After starting multiple nonprofits, I really had to think about how to work with and through a board and Mm -hmm. leverage all their background and knowledge, their wisdom, wealth, and work. And it's not just about giving money to deserving nonprofits. You really have to think about how are those dollars spent in the most impactful way so you're creating maximum impact versus some kind of impact. So I think that was a huge point that you made. Completely. And it's how the money isn't infinite either. So, you know, you have to prioritize. (laughs) Which can be so tricky. And it can really honestly be sometimes something that gets in the way of organizations thinking outside of the box of their philanthropy is that I think sometimes organizations want to tackle everything instead of understanding where their own leverage can be best utilized. Completely. And that's why I always encourage organizations to think about the authenticity of how they show up, what their people care about, what their leadership cares about, and ensure that it's already baked in, like in terms of your purpose. Yes. 
I love that you brought up purpose. This is essential to what we talk about at Be Social Change. And it's interesting. We're talking about two, two tracks here that are so vital. We're talking about the personal, our own career paths, as well as the social, what happens when we're in an organized group of people, whether that's a corporation, a business, mutual aid fund, a nonprofit, whatever that might be. And it really follows the B social change methodology or idea too, that B is about personal and having that understanding and awareness of what you're bringing and about your own track. Social is about doing it together. And what is the collective wisdom that takes shape when we're, when we are collaborative, when we do take multiple perspectives into account and then change is actually doing that change, actually accomplishing that change. And as you said, tracking some of the impact. So I appreciate what you're saying. And I want to turn to the personal for a moment, too, and get a sense from you. Can you share a little bit more about how you have so many skills and interests? How have you navigated your own career path, whether it's making those decisions based on the purpose that you've always felt or the purpose that's been emerging step by step? I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about how you've navigated your career. I think it's helpful to have some type of North Star and know what your values are and know where you feel like you fit. So for me, I think that was a lot about knowing that I had a perspective, a unique one that I could bring to the table and bring my lived experience in conjunction with my actual expertise to the table to help organizations really be able to be bold in how they approach CSR, racial equity, social justice, social impact, all these things. And I knew very early on that I saw very disparate messages going into different communities. And that bothered me. That troubled me a lot. And so I wanted to have a seat at the table to be able to help shape and inform what was being promoted and pushed to communities that I cared about. And so I was intentional in my career and going to places where I knew that I would have a platform. So that's how I ended up in media, ultimately. So starting out in publishing what seems like a very long time ago. <laughs> and, at and I remember being at Cosmo Girl, which was a spinoff to Cosmopolitan at Hearst Corporation. And the motto, the tagline for the magazine was Born to Lead. Because it wasn't just about a pretty face. It was about how can we encourage girls to use their voice to know that they could run for president of the United States. I think we had a campaign that featured Hillary Clinton, and it was really just something that was different. It wasn't just about beauty and vanity, but it was really about how you can, you can be an organizer at your school and you can really use your voice and leverage your friendships and connections and networks to be the change you want to see in your community. And even though I was in advertising, like I think my title at the time was senior advertising coordinator or something along those lines, everybody knew to come to me for anything community related because that was who I showed up as the person I was, as the individual and the contribution that I was bringing to the team. So anytime anybody asked, is there somebody, you know, we'd get approached to do career days or principal for a day or to mentor or speak to a, a classroom. The editor-in-chief, I'm this junior staff person, would say, is Monique available? I'd be representing this big brand because I knew that I wanted to make this space that I was in accessible to other people and that they could see that they had a career path and opportunity. And that has translated throughout all the various positions and the, the companies and organizations that I have aligned with. And so very similar at the next magazine that I went to, where I was literally saying, okay, 
Where can we show up? Where can we meet people where they're at in order to bring this message of financial empowerment to them versus just always expecting them to come find us? We have a wealth of information, but if it just sits here, that's not going to necessarily do the community that much good if it's not in the hands of any and everybody that we can possibly get it to through our various network and partnerships. And so I left there leading strategic partnerships as well. And those were with a lot of these nonprofit partners. And I was, I'm always seeking out development opportunities as well. I was in a fellowship program that happened to be underwritten by Walmart, <laughs> coincidentally, many years ago. And I thought that was novel even then that this big organization cared about ensuring that there were leaders across the country who cared about their community and that were driving change and that they felt they felt accountable and they wasn't about them trying to bring us into their organization or recruit us to their company. It was really about we want to ensure that these change makers have the tools and the resources they need to do more of what they're trying to do. And so within that program, it was a year-long opportunity for me to really examine and look at, okay, what's my next career move? And I found myself doing a lot more of after hours work with nonprofits that I was a part of. So I was a youth advisor for my local branch of the NAACP. I was the founder of the New York Urban League Young Professionals with a group of other individuals. And I was helping some of my friends launch their nonprofits or help them with their business plan, their marketing plan, et cetera. And so I saw that I was spending so much of my time after hours doing work for like these great nonprofits that I cared about. And so that fellowship opportunity helped me make the connection to see that I wanted to marry my like business acumen more so with my like personal passion and bring those two together. And that's when I started thinking about the nonprofit world. So that's when I moved into a position with Teach for America. And was able to see and understand better how nonprofits operated and how they work with companies as well. Because I work with not only our executive directors and helping them figure out how do they continue to engage people to do something that's very hard, convincing people who had no intention to teach to do. And then working with our sponsors to help look at mutual lines of benefit and translate to them what they would be getting as a result of being a, don a donor to us and helping them understand how they could engage their employees or what this goodwill meant in terms of translating into their customer base. So it was very eye-opening and it definitely gave me, again, that better look at like governance as well from the nonprofit side and really had a great experience. And then I decided I wanted to be on the giving side. <laughs> I wanted to be the person driving and helping write the checks and deciding where those donations should go. And so that's how I came back into corporate, my role with NBC Universal, with Comcast NBC Universal specifically. And again, that kind of married the power of media by enabling us to spotlight these different organizations. And at the same time, being able to give them grants, being able to do promotional reels for them. I led this big PSA campaign, if you've ever heard of it, called The More. So really had a great experience there. And then I thought, what can I do even more in terms of size and scope and scale? And that's how I came to Walmart. Winding road, but all makes sense if you ask me. You mentioned something that I think is really important that I just was wondering if you could share a little bit more of. You said mutual lines of benefit. 
the funders and for the organization. I think this was in context of Teach for America. And I'm wondering if for our community, you could share a little bit more of what mutual lines of benefit look like within the space. Some of the corporations may have goals that they want to achieve for their employees in terms of if they have days that are designated for volunteering. And so do their employees even know about what opportunities exist? Do they have the ability to utilize matching funds? And is this an organization that we could introduce them to? Or for us, Teach for America at the time, it was really about how the how the education system was not doing so well at the time and how do we improve educational outcomes for kids who just want an opportunity to learn like it had the responsibility is on the adults and so how do we ensure that we are encouraging and providing the best possible environment learning environment for the next generation and so people care about that when they think about who are the people that we're going to employ in the future? And we want them to have this critical thinking skill set, and we want them to have robust experiences that they're bringing into our boardrooms. And we want this community around our businesses to be thriving. Yeah, that's hugely important. Maybe we should be involved. And so you have to translate that to somebody who may not have a business case already in mind for why they should invest in, and I'm saying education just because I have the experience there, but whatever your cause could be, it could be poverty, it could be food, it could be oceans, whatever that may be, you need to translate why they have any alignment and what that is going to actually mean for not only their employee base, their customer base, and the communities around the businesses where their customers and employees like live and work. And so that is not lost. You have to be able to really make that clear and what is going to be the quote unquote ROI, that return on investment that they would get as a result of partnering with you versus another organization. So that was definitely something that you have to be able to draw out. I want to go back to the career path that you just described. And I could see one of the threads was just being passionate about so many different things. But then with the focus on you're a natural entrepreneur, and it was really then cool to hear all the things that you've done, but then be able to deploy that entrepreneurship into the nonprofit sector, which oftentimes in the past, that was the typical social impact path, right? I'm going to be in a nonprofit. But now and through the work that you do, there's been a shift in businesses really taking on and understanding that they have an opportunity to really make an impact in the world and in various levels. And I would love to hear, as you had, took all your experiences and now and applying them to Walmart, when you were starting early in your career, did you have a plan? Did you feel like you knew your path? Or was it something that you were continually just moving towards things you were excited and passionate about and then something would emerge as you're progressing through your career? Yeah, interesting question. I remember I led a webinar for the Urban League called Sector Switching. I think I I led a webinar and I think I was on a panel for their national convention. And I was really telling people how intentional I was that I was doing informational interviews. I think I had a spreadsheet at some point like that had all these avenues that I was exploring. So I knew the realm I wanted to play in, but even within that realm, there are various strands. So for example, I knew I wanted to do more of the giving. So I wanted to play a part in 
having organizations be able to support other organizations. But that could be with a family foundation. That could be at a traditional like freestanding institution. That could be with somebody who's independently wealthy and has their own charitable outlook. And so I talk to people, I look for people in these specific roles and I ask them like contextual questions about, okay, like how do you do what you do? What is, what is the pay range? Like these, especially living in New York City, <laughs> ensure I can eat at the same time while I'm doing good. What are the job opportunities in the market outlook? Is there a certain skill set? Is there a certain degrees? I had a loose understanding enough to do some digger deeping and exploring because I did not have the specific answer. I did not know that corporate philanthropy was going to be the avenue. So I had to do some digging to understand where my skills and desires met. And also, even within corporate philanthropy, you have organizations who have very specific things that they support. And so are those the things that you actually champion and want to work on? So you could care a lot about environmentalism, but if their thing is arts or youth, and that's not necessarily what you want to do, you should have an understanding of who's doing what and what makes sense for you, where you're actually going to continue to be inspired and excited about the work you're doing. It's amazing, Monique. You're touching upon so many vital themes here of social impact careers. One that I want to zoom in for a moment is the idea of networking, where you were sharing that you really took time to like interview people and get to know people and understand. It was almost sounds to me like it's a form of rapid prototyping, where instead of diving into something without knowing about it, you tried to gather as much information from people who had lived that experience first. And so I was wondering if you could expound a little bit upon the role of networking, whether it's when you're looking for a job or even within an organization as a way of further developing your career. I tell people, and even now still, especially being in an environment that's newer to me, moving for a specific job, like I take all introductions, <laughs> like there's not any bad ones. Networking has played a, a huge role. And even as I was just talking about having informational interviews, I always left those interviews with other people to talk to. Okay, now that you've heard what I'm trying to do, who else do I need to be speaking with? And people will definitely, once they get to know you, feel a sense of not obligation, but just wanting to help you succeed. And especially if your intentions are pure. And so I would always walk away with another name to contact. And I would always ensure that I kept that other person up to date about where that went as well. So thank you so much for introducing me to so-and-so. I've had the great opportunity to meet these people or I've decided otherwise. Like that was so great. I was so fascinated. You helped me get to know XYZ area to know enough that probably won't be the path that I pursue. Your transparency was hugely helpful to save me time and investment. So I think keeping people up to date on your progress, especially for folks who you consider mentors or people that you aspire to be like, just giving them updates on your life and where you're at. It doesn't necessarily always have to be an ask, but just letting people know. So for example, I just got into a fellowship program at the end of last year. And so I sent a couple of text messages off to say, hey, just FYI, I got into this really program, this great program. I'm really excited about it. And it was just like a quick update. People were hugely happy to hear of my progress and that it's something that they can both keep me in mind for if they hear about other opportunities in the future. Okay, I know she's into XYZ. 
And they know that I haven't forgotten about them either. And I appreciate the things that they, the seeds that they planted in me, and they can now see the fruition of them. And I think what you're pointing out is that a lot of times people think that networking is used to get a job, but networking doesn't end when you get a job. It's a continual thing that you're growing and you're expanding, and then you're also getting better at because it's a skill that people can always improve upon. And as you're thinking about your next three to five years and where you're looking for your career to go, are there any skills, like for example, in this fellowship, I'm curious what you're working on. Are there any skills, personal or professional, that you're looking to develop? Yeah, I think something that's been a huge passion of mine personally has been international experience. And I'm such a history buff. I'm curious about other cultures. And I have studied abroad multiple times as a student. I've done several exchange programs, did one with U.S. State Department, did some others that were with other foundations that were invites to leaders across the country, things of that nature. And even in my own personal travels, People, my friends, they're like, you want to do what on your vacation? You're doing, (laughs) I went to Rio de Janeiro and I'm like volunteering at a school. And they're like, I just want to sit on the beach. What are you thinking? (laughs) And so this is who I am. And so that's how I show up when I do go to places. It's always about like, how can I not only learn, but how can I give back as well? And some more professional international experience is also important to me, especially as I think about the nuances of grant making in other countries and the rules are different. So that's another area that I'm sharpening my expertise in as well. That's amazing, Monique. And I know from your bio that you've led trips for young people to everywhere from China and I'm forgetting some of the other places, but it's really amazing where you've been. (laughs) And you and I share that. I've also used to lead youth trips and I found it really important for my own career development just to understand what's important as well as to also understand the power dynamics that are at play in in philanthropy, in international travel, in all of these realms. And so I really, what you're saying about growing that skill and being able to understand the nuances of it also resonate with me. I want to turn to purpose. You mentioned purpose earlier, and we always like to ask people, how do you define purpose? Oh, I don't know if I knew I was getting that question, which I should have guessed clearly. (laughs) Purpose for me is looking at my intentions. I did a very similar exercise for an internal development program. It's like a two-year program that I've been participating in with Walmart. Like we have to do a vision statement and talk about our purpose. And mine is literally like being the change I want to see as corny as that sounds and ensuring that I am opening doors for other people, because that is the only way that I can sit here and have this interview with you all and be so privileged to be able to be in a position where I can help move investments into communities and being like purpose-driven and having, I think I started off the conversation with having a North Star is probably how I would describe it and being able to really know that I contributed to something bigger than myself at the end of the day is what helps me sleep at night. And so that's how I would define purpose. (laughs) That's incredible. And one thing that we often tell people is that when they're searching, what even is my North Star? We often tell people, what are your values? Values can sometimes serve as your North Star. And you just brought up the value of contribution. And how can I ensure that I'm living by that value? And so it's really inspiring to hear that. Thank you. So for you personally, what are some of the 
kind of productivity habits or routines or even self-care habits that you have that really help you get through and be able to do the work that you do? That is hugely important to me. I definitely encourage other people earlier in their careers to set these boundaries and set up these habits as soon as possible from a productivity hack standpoint, blocking time on my calendar. That is that work productivity time. I remember eons ago, and I'm sure it's still a thing. Sometimes we feel like a dinosaur who moved my cheese, getting things done, models. And so one of them that I remember very like pointedly is get the thing done. If you open your inbox and it's something that takes you a minute, just do it. <laughs> Don't go back to it and mull over it three or four times. So if you can do something immediately, get it done and get it cleared off your plate is one that I always subscribe to. And then for like my own like wellness and self-care, like I said, travel, it's hugely important to me. And especially during the pandemic, I'm not a meditation person, even though I think sometimes I should be, but I do think that I'm meditative. So I do sound baths and yoga nidra and things that still get me to calm down and stop and not be looking at a screen and just have some reflective time. And then I know no one believes me, but I'm also an introvert. So I know I need my personal downtime and I need to have some, a little bit of solitude. So I try to build that into every single day. You mentioned when you're going to do something, do it. And sometimes also starting with the hardest thing. And so this might've been an expression that other people knew and grew up with, but my best friend one day was working on something really hard and she wakes up in the morning and she goes, man, today I'm just going to swallow the frog. And I had no idea what she meant. And it turns out that this is a whole thing. Swallowing the frog is starting with the very hardest thing on your plate. And I just thought that's a brilliant way of describing what you were sharing earlier as far as like when you're going to do something, do it. Monique, it's really incredible to hear your journey and just to hear how many things that you've been able to accomplish already. And I know that there's so many great things to come. I'm wondering as we close out this podcast, if you could just share maybe one piece of advice that you wish you had gotten at the beginning of your social impact career? When I was an adjunct professor and even in my with my mentees currently, I just tell them just to be the rock star they are. And I think people understand that they have the authority and agency, like straight out the gate, like this whole pay your dues, sit in the back, be quiet. Nope, <laughs> do not subscribe to that. You have the gifts and the talents and everything you need to succeed. And so bring that to the table and let it shine. Like just be a light. Love it. Love it. Love it. What a great way to end the conversation. Well, thank you so much, Monique, for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Congrats on all the amazing things that you're doing at walmart.org. As with the first time we met Monique, it's hard for me not to like cheer after everything you say. I'm in awe of you. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing your wisdom, your insights, your experience, and your skills. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate your time as well. Oh my God, I'm blown away. Monique is one of those people who everything she says, I'm both inspired by and using as a new metric in thinking about how I can conduct myself personally as well as professionally to further my impact. One thing that comes to mind for me is that she's such an exemplar when it comes to thinking about corporate social responsibility as its own unique sector. Sometimes people think about CSR and it feels like a mushy definition. And Monique exemplifies what it means when you're really clear on what you're leveraging, as well as what it means to try and define the business case for social impact, whether it's the mutual lines of benefit, whether it's thinking about the business model and really honing your purpose. I think that she's such a great leader within corporate social responsibility. 
Absolutely. And I just feel lucky to be able to have these discussions with you. It's so fun. And it's really great to know that there are Moniques in the world. And then we have an opportunity to bring their narratives, their stories, their experience and skills to you all in the Be Social Change community. So thank you all for joining us and I hope you enjoyed that interview. That was so fun. Thanks, Marcos. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you liked the episode, help us grow the impact of this podcast by taking a quick second to leave us a five-star rating and review telling us what you liked. And please share the podcast with anyone you think could benefit from this type of career and business advice. Word of mouth is the number one way we can grow the podcast and the impact we have on people's careers. And don't forget to visit besocialchange.com for free social impact career resources through our newsletter. See you next week.